Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast brought to you by Platform 195. We share trends and strategies across retail media to help you accelerate your brand growth. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson. Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson, founder and CEO of Platform 195. Today, we're privileged to host Anders Hjorth, a renowned figure in the sphere of digital marketing and retail media. As the founder of Innovel and a trailblazer in establishing the first retail media expert training in France, Anders has a profound legacy spanning decades. His portfolio is studded with leadership roles at notable establishments such as e-commerce and biddable media, and with a unique blend of expertise in e-commerce search marketing, content strategy, and programmatic advertising, Anders stands out as a thought leader in the industry. He's also authored invaluable reports, providing insight to the ever-evolving world of digital marketing, and notably his pioneering work in SEO and as one of the first Google advertising professionals, highlights his forward-thinking approach, consistently pushing the boundaries of innovation in the field. Welcome, Anders. Thank you very much, Stuart. That was awesome. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit about that journey and how yeah. you sort of ended up here in this sort of retail media space? I just ended up being carried away, I think. I saw the internet arrive back in the last century and I was like, wow, this is going to change the world. I want to be part of it. Yeah. And there was nothing. I mean, there was no e-commerce. I think maybe that was around the time when Amazon was starting to sell books off that horrible interface with a million books in a database. And it was fascinating to try to build something, build a career or build a company or build whatever. I was pretty much, I want to be there. So that's how I ended up doing some SEO at the beginning, actually. That was the first, I think, marketing application on the internet that you could actually do. I mean, there was information sharing. It wasn't marketing, right? Yes. So you could influence people and then you could start doing SEO when the search engines took off. So I ended up on that track. SEO turned into paid search. Paid search turned into programmatic. Social media came on board. There was community management. There was content marketing. There was paid social. This all mixed up. So I, I've been sort of jumping on those bandwagons. The last one is retail media because I set up my Innovel consultancy company because I wanted to detect upcoming trends. I wanted to tell people, you know, what's going on in digital marketing? What are the big trends out there? And one of the trends that I sort of stumbled upon was Amazon advertising. So this is back in 2018, 19. I was researching paid search major trends, what's happening with Google. There was some AI already at that time. There was some privacy legislation already at that time. Some problems with cookies. We could see it already at that time. And then there was, you know, changing ways of working. So I remember this was another report in the one that we talked about. It was a report about paid search trends, right? So as I'd been a judge on search engine awards, I knew a lot of the experts and the best agencies out there. So I could contact and I actually partnered up with the company that organized the awards so that we could contact these people and build a report to see what's going on. Huge questionnaire, 65 or no, I think that one was 90 questions. I did interviews with seven or eight uh, industry experts. In one of the questions I asked these agencies, I said, okay, what types of services are you doing? And they would say, we do paid search, we do shopping, we do whatever, social media. And then I asked another question, which was, okay, where do you spend? Do you spend on Google Ads? Do you spend on Facebook? Do you spend on Amazon? And there was this huge discrepancy between like 80% of all these agencies were saying, well, we do shopping. So Google shopping typically, right? So our clients will be retailers somehow. And then there was like 
30% who were saying we're doing something with Amazon. These are the leading agencies in the world. This is the kind of thing I wanted to detect. It sort of totally struck me, wow, Amazon is growing. Not everybody's seen this. It's coming on the radar. Maybe that was a bit early, maybe, but, but this later on turned into people talking about the triopoly of digital advertising, whereas before that, it was Google and, and Facebook, the yeah. duopoly of digital advertising. So I've been tracking you know, the triopoly ever since, looking at how Amazon is growing. So that's where it all came from. And then once you're in Amazon advertising or Amazon marketing, uh, you know, I got told in that way. So that's the story. That's where I'm here yeah. because I'm too curious and I get my hands dirty too quickly. I want to touch the interfaces. I think it was like a few days ago, I just posted my, my latest update on certifications. I've got like everything in Amazon, the latest being Amazon Marketing Cloud, AMC, which is a data clean room. Hey, that's so amazing. And it didn't exist a year and a half ago. Tell us about that Amazon evolution. I think there's a lot of listeners who aren't necessarily agency side, they might, but uh, sort of retail listeners may not sort of be totally up to speed with what Amazon are doing with regards to Amazon advertising. Could you give so, us an update on that? Amazon started playing around with advertising something like 10 years ago. This is my story. The guys at Amazon were looking at Google, seeing, wow, that's amazing. People search and they serve this advertising. And they thought, well, let's do something like that. So the first advertising product in Amazon was something very similar to AdWords, right? To the old original AdWords uh, solution where you type a keyword and up comes a text ad. Now, on Amazon, it's not a text ad, it's a product ad. And it basically just pulls the product listing and puts it up in the top of the search results. This was very successful. So this is evolved into, so they added a second layer of targeting in there, which is you can, on top of targeting keywords, you can target products. So you can target your own product, you can target competitors, you can target categories, you can target, you know, you can even refine, today you can even refine with so many stars on the rating or prime eligible. So this was the first product. This is me telling a story that I wasn't part of that time. But the second product that then came on was, again, imaginary story. I think these internal business developers were seeing the results of this saying, wow, this is amazing. We're getting people to click on search results that are product listings. And then the second question comes up, okay, how about if this is my brand and I want to give it a little extra twist? So they came up with the second product, the one called Sponsored Brands. This is also keyword targeting and product targeting also shows up primarily in the search results. So the story says, and this is not my story for, for once, the story says that this was a second team. There's a different team actually building this tool. Yeah? And then they had a third team build a third advertising solution, which is much more of a display much more of an audience targeting kind of solution called sponsored display. So these are the three products that are within the Amazon platform, originally targeted at the Amazon marketplace itself. Now, this sponsored display doing uh, audience targeting actually now opens up to outside of Amazon as well. Because there's been, you know, the fourth product has arrived in Amazon advertising. It's the DSP. And now we're in a familiar surrounding, aren't we, Stuart? Because this is programmatic advertising. Again, imaginary story. I go back and look at these guys in Amazon. They're so probably saying, wow, this is amazing. We managed to do something that does the same or even better than Google. We're monetizing the platform. And hey, what are they doing over at Facebook? And Facebook mm -hmm. has this amazing advertising targeting engine, right? So they built the Amazon DSP. And of course, as a programmatic solution, it is on the platform, but it's also outside of the platform. 
So in summary, you've got these four actually technically different solutions, right? They're weaving them together and it's becoming a seamless integration. There's still a, a big difference between the Amazon sponsored ads being the CPC based, right? On the click and the DSP being CPM based. And then the last step, I guess, that we're seeing now, and it, this has been part of, you know, and now I was on the bandwagon. I was actually using these things. I was setting up the DSP branch for an Amazon agency. And I think it's a great illustration of what's going on in retail media. Mm. On that path, I was very, very frustrated. There were two platforms. And I asked these questions to my Amazon counterparts and my colleagues and everybody and saying, hey, can somebody just guarantee me that these results that I'm seeing, these conversions are deduplicated? that I'm not double counting the conversions because I'm using two platforms. And I couldn't find the information anywhere. And so the guys, so some of the account managers, some of the people I know in Amazon said, yeah, no, no, it's deduplicated. And I was like, hey, can you point me to a solution somewhere that shows this and gives this? I can't really find it or whatever. Within the agency, it's an agency called e-commerce, e-commerce made simple. We tried to use the first tool called Amazon Attribution. Now, I think it's still a beta version. We did not like it at all. It doesn't solve the attribution problem. It can track some of the external traffic that comes into the marketplace. But as soon as you know you click something inside of Amazon, you know it you lose it. all the attribution history. So attribution was a big thing for us. And then at one point there was like light shines on the horizon. One of my good contacts in Amazon said, "Hey, okay, I've got the solution for you. Forget Amazon attribution. Look into Amazon Marketing Cloud." So Amazon Marketing Cloud was launched in 2021. It is a better clean room, meaning it is, shall we call it privacy safe? Yeah. It takes the data, it puts it somewhere, does it analysis and pulls it out again. And this was the first time we could really get into, you know, guaranteed deduplication. People looking at the same data sets and we can actually see the effect, the impact of the DSP compared to the uh, Amazon sponsored ads. Yeah. So things are happening. And this is Amazon. And Amazon is like, I don't know, five, six times bigger than everybody else, right? Yeah. In this space, especially on the advertising side. And they only got there one and a half, two years ago. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. It's nice to know in many ways that they're suffering for the transparency and attribution issues that everybody else is. Well, everybody's suffering in the space. So every time you're looking at a retail media network, shall we call them network? I mean, we can talk about the definition of that, but a retail media network is often a composite solution with some on-site, some off-site. Sometimes it integrates in-store, you know, the offline dimension. Sometimes it integrates other solutions as well. So it's very often, and it goes back to the Amazon story, these are different technologies mm. and they're being woven together to give a common interface. But that's why it's so challenging, I think, for a retail media network to come up with a complete self-service platform or to come up with a, let's say, holistic reporting or omnichannel reporting. It's really difficult because, because yeah. there are disparate data sets. Sometimes there are ownership questions of the data sets, sometimes privacy regulations on what you can show, what you can't show. And sometimes you're just simply not monitoring the same thing. So you can't necessarily consolidate the data. So these are some of the challenges that everybody else is going to meet. All the retail media networks are facing this challenge. Different technologies, integrating them, getting the data together, serving the data in some kind of digestible form, and solving questions around attribution, deduplication, so that you don't double count. And then going awesome. further in that direction, 
you know, you're going to want to measure media exposure and not just sales. Yeah, that's going to say, yeah, just trying to drive effectiveness in the background, you know. I mean, you recently published a report called The State of Retail Media in Europe. I imagine the themes you've just talked about sort of run through all that. I haven't had a chance to see it, but tell me about those, what the sort of major outtakes of that report are. Yeah, so the report was motivated. I collaborated, worked together with a company called Lingo on this report. Lingo is is specialized in data feeds for marketplaces. So they're not necessarily a big retail media player, but they were like, hey, let's research this together. Look at the retail media landscape is moving. And let's look at something that other people are not looking at. So let's not look at Amazon. Mm. And let's not look at the United States. And I think that's the beauty of that report is we're looking at Europe, we're looking at individual markets, and also looking at a wide range of players. So we're looking at the technology platforms, we're looking at the what the brands are thinking, we're looking at what the agencies are seeing. The sort of the work was carried out as an interview process and of course, you know, exploratory process of finding the data on the internet. There is a lot of data available about what exists, but you have to go in granularity in each country to see what exists there. So some of the big things that, that came out, of course, Amazon is very present in the market. But you have a couple of markets where, you know, the local, I don't know if we can call them incumbents, because I think maybe Amazon was there, you know, earlier on. But the pure players have been there for a long time. The French market where you've got a number two C discount, which is, you know, fighting to keep market share. You've got the Netherlands where a BOL or ball.com is giving a good fight. I think actually still bigger than Amazon in the market. Amazon's quite recent in Holland. You have a Polish market where there's a local player, Allegro, much bigger than Amazon, much bigger than everybody else. Again, Amazon is expanding country by country. It's like a, do you know the game of risk? Yes. Uh, the board game. It always makes me think of risk when I see you know, Amazon. Now we're going to open this market. Now we're going to open this market. We've got distribution in place. We've got, anyway, but you've got these local players. Some of them are pure players, and they're probably the strongest. But you also have a different type of player, like Zalando, which is Europe-wide. Mm-hmm. You've got players like Mano Mano, which is on the DIY segment, present in three or four markets, and quite high on the range there. So you've got these vertical players that have another type of attractivity than an Amazon sometimes, right? So mm-hmm. especially when you look at fashion or when you have a range of points of sale. So that's the probably the third type is you're seeing physical distributors going online in various different ways. And that's fascinating because they have a different relationships with brands and, and suppliers. So which also means a different sets of challenges, but they have this fit already there. It's not like you know the brand or the supplier manufacturer is going to say, okay, can I sell my product on Amazon? Will it work on Amazon? These people have standing relationships. We shouldn't forget also that most of that relationship is offline and it is sales in shops and it's 80% of the business, right? So suddenly you know, we're getting all carried away with retail media and with uh, online sales, but it's like a marginal uh, part of the business, right? So these are some of the things that we've seen in the report. That was exactly my next question is what are the yeah. brands saying? Are they? So you've got two different approaches. One is we're seeing this as for direct profit opportunity, we measure outcomes. We've set up a separate 
department or business unit for selling on marketplaces. We therefore measure performance and therefore only expand to as many places that we can manage in a profitable way. And these types of players typically go on to marketplaces, one or two platforms, actually not any further, meaning there's a whole you know host of marketplaces or retail media offerings that are not being tested. And then you've got the other the opposite approach, which is our need to be everywhere. So the omnipresence kind of approach, which is very much anchored in being there offline as well. These can be strong brands that have their own distribution. In the report where we talked with Mattel, they've become top line news these days with Barbie, haven't they? But they are of the type that are very concentrated on Amazon and then maybe a second network and have a you know centralized European operation. And then mm-hmm. you've got the other opposite, which is Nespresso. And they want to be everywhere because they have outlets everywhere in all sorts of distribution. So whenever they're present in all of these vertical marketplaces, they're reaching the audiences that are niche audiences specific to retailers. This is an answer to one of your future questions here, which is how can a smaller network actually <laughs> do something to, to stand out? And one of the things they can do is leverage the data, the niche knowledge they have, and also open up for that audience that the big players are not going to have. Those are some of the, things, some so, of the keys to this. Yeah. So what's the evolution of all of this then, do you think? So there is a race to volume, isn't it? I mean, so you've been in the media business for many years as well. You know that the first place you go is where you have the biggest possible volume. Mm-hmm. So there is a race to volume, and the, the race to volume can be vertically based as well. So you've got, depending on the type of brands you're talking about, you've got this race to volume. So meaning that from a retailer perspective, you need to activate, as I talked about earlier, both the on-site and the off-site and possibly the in-store to differentiate yourself from the pure players. Because otherwise you're not going to get that volume. I think one of the, I'm not here to say it's a mistake, but one of the big challenges that I think is in the system today is that all of those players having a managed service, they try to leverage more or less the same channels. So they're leveraging data outside of programmatically via, for example, Meta, uh, Facebook ads. They're using the data. They're onboarding the data as a custom audience or whatever into Facebook. And then they're using that to leverage, to try to drive the people back into the network. So this can work really well. The problem is that if you take this from a brand perspective, there is a huge risk of double exposure, both because retail media is one part of media budgets and there could be other campaigns running at the same time. And also because if you're going through various channels, various managed services, they could all be using leveraging the same data to the same channel. And if there's a slight sort of overlap of these audiences in the various retailers, then you're risking double exposure and there is no way you can measure that. There is no way you can actually monitor this. And this is a huge challenge for the end user perspective, right? Because end users are fed up with being overexposed. I think totally different subject, but one of the reasons why privacy is such a big issue is that, you know, data isn't easy to handle. And mm. if you handle it as easy as you can, you're necessarily doing a lot of waste and overexposing people. Yeah, there's an interesting one, actually, in the travel industry, there's a similar thing where the tourism board are quite forward thinking in using sort of various the way they use their retail partners um but and actually they sort of keep their own creative and then badge the tour the retailer onto that creative and then leverage the data of all the retailers the end user reality of that is you often see the same ad but the same ad it has a different retailer on it 
so you're seeing it too much and you're seeing it each time with a different retailer so probably branding for Dubai but doesn't actually do anything for the retailer themselves I'm not sure about the branding there because so yes you're exposing and you're exposure, teaching, yeah. so you're exposing and you're repeating a message but it can be very confusing and, and when you talk about brands I mean there's a question of exposure but there's a second question of consistency and if you're being exposed in the same channel various times with differing messages that's not strengthening your your, your brand message I think that's the real danger there so in that report you also talked about what the agencies are saying and obviously you're an ex-group m senior manager so you know tell me about how media agencies are managing this can they manage it well given the relationship that retailers tend to have with their suppliers and the supplier base absolutely so now for the past five six years i've been sort of pretty much out of agency business before that i had my own agency this whole thing out there that agencies can't defend themselves. They're being criticized from all fronts and they can never really defend themselves because basically they're going to look bad. But I've been out of that for a while. And I've actually been very often a vocal defender of what media agencies are Hmm. doing because they have the right angle. They probably have a lot of weaknesses and a lot of things that they can't because they can't get into that data. Hmm. But they have the advantage of knowing exactly what data you need and also us knowing how to operate that data. You know, all the big media agencies today are full on board with retail media. They have all built either separate departments for retail media, or they have integrated the retail media outlets into their ongoing strategies. So that doesn't mean that the problem is solved because they're still going to need to integrate this towards the client, right? So I think what's happening right now is that in these new departments, they're saying, if this is a retailer majority client, we will take care of everything and then outsource things to other departments when necessary. But there's definitely expertise both on the consulting side and also on the media side in those agencies. I can't talk for everybody, but they're all building I've been training some of them as well. So I know that some of them are upskilling. And then, so because you mentioned that, I built this retail media training program. And this is actually mm. for junior people. And is but that within retailers I, or agencies? Or they go, to, they go to agencies. That is the big outlet. And there's been a lot of interest in hiring motivated, uh, freshly trained junior profiles into these departments because yeah. one big thing in media agencies is that you typically grow with um, you grow with your account or you grow with your role over time they prefer to take fairly junior people in and train them rather than go out and shop and steal each other's talent which isn't always economically the same so tell me about that because that training thing is hugely important i think in the industry mm. and obviously part of our mission is to get help the industry get better how do you structure that training? What sort of skills are you equipping these guys with? I built this training for a digital school in France called Origami. Funny story. This is one of my old competitors. I had my own agency and he was managing another agency in search marketing and then in paid media. So we've obviously been friends for years. So he created this school, I think five years ago, saying, I want to remove the CV from the equation. I want to take motivated unemployed primarily people i want to train them in a boot camp and make them enter these typically big agencies where they need 
young people, motivated people with up-to-date skills. I think that was the thing he set out to do. They managed to get a partnership with Google. So they're doing, I mean, so Google's part of the bootcamp. And I'd done some training with them. And actually, when the Amazon marketing report came out, he invited me in to give a short course. And, you know, over time, this turned into, hey, we need somebody to set up a retail media training practice Mm -hmm. program. So I set out to do that about a year ago. It ended up being a little late, but I think I, I spent most of September last year building the program and starting to book all the trainers because I, was, I wasn't giving the training. I set up the program and then I pulled in people from Amazon, from Criteo, from Citrus Ad, on the technology side. I pulled in people from agencies, from Group M, from Dentsu, from Publicis. I don't remember everybody. I had something like 20 or 25 people actually giving this training. And it was structured around saying the first level of knowledge that you need is the foundation. They have this first workshop where basically they're in a, in a serious game. So they have to build like a Google ads campaign because that's the way you learn bidding. So we've got a lot of modules, but there were, I think some of the things that I really liked that we put in there was these four sessions, the, the, the first workshop where you learn bidding, the second workshop where we give them, so they work in groups, we give them a data set from a marketplace and they say, go out and build a monetization model. So this is sales side, right? So as an example, take this data set, do some analysis and figure out what do we monetize? So it's the user data and the searches and, and the categories, right? So that's a really interesting one. The third one is... Now that anything's possible with almost no budget, but digital skills, go out and set up Amazon business, no, set up a brand, go and, and buy product from wherever you can find it, Obolo, or, you know, import something, put a brand on it and sell it and make a Amazon media plan for it. Right? And these are releases a week of work. Yeah? yeah. So that's the third one. And the fourth one, here is a retail media pitch. Plug into this tool. We used a partner called Datagram. I think it's only a French provider, but that goes in, especially in the grocery outlets mm-hmm. and measures what is your share of category, your share of voice, what types of formats can you use, and what times should you be there? So this is a retail yeah, media wow. pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And so consider this. These guys have no prior digital marketing experience. Most of them have no prior digital marketing experience. They go in and after their final project, after three months, is they're actually presenting a pitch and they're actually presenting to people from the industry. Of course, to do that, I mean, we had loads of partnerships. So Amazon came in and, and trained them for seven days, I think, to go through all the things that I mentioned earlier, the sponsored ads, the, the sponsored products, the sponsored brands, the sponsored display, retail readiness, a DSP, you know, they got through the whole thing. Otherwise, you can't necessarily do these projects. We got people in to explain what's the marketplace, what's the economic model. We got somebody in to explain what is retail media. This is one of the, the founders of one of the technologies out there. What is retail media? Why is it changing? How does it fit in with the user experience? How does it fit in with the data? And there was supply chain and there was content optimization. So the way I set it up was to try to cover every single expertise required. We realized that it is quite different from some of the other courses that the school has built because a lot of the other the courses are based on search. So you'll do SEO specialization, but you'll learn the search before that. 
Whereas retail media, you've, you've got to learn e-commerce, you've got to learn retail, and then you've got to learn, you know, media, bidding, programmatic. So it ended up being, I think, very ambitious. We were very happy with it. The people that took on the candidates were very happy as well. I'm still in touch with a number of these people. So, so that's great. I actually took this and took the basis of this to build also an upskilling training for the agencies. So this is one of the bigger agencies to upskill. But, you know, in the process of building this department that they're building, right, they're taking, you know, skilled people with a lot of experience from programmatic, for example, or skilled people from, this could be search, or they're taking people with a lot of account experience. So having worked with big brands, big CPG, or even food stuff for a number of years and needing to get an upgrade on what's going on with retail media. That's fascinating. That's really interesting as well. But it just shows how it feels strange to be in this sector because on the one hand, it is probably the most complex, most advanced part of digital marketing ever. And at the same time, it hasn't inherited all the experience we've had in all the other channels. So we're fighting with some of the problems that we'd have 10 years ago in Google search or 10 years ago with Facebook advertising. So in retail media networks, to back to retail media networks, you've got Amazon and then you've got many other retail media networks using five, six, up to 10 different technologies now. And in each case, the way you measure an impression, for example, can differ. or a video view. So IAB is doing a a fantastic job of trying to find consensus, but we're not there yet. What does that mean for an advertiser? It means, well, you know, I do impressions here and I do impressions there and they're not the same. Or did I actually do an exposure for the person who went through and bought somewhere else? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Some of the very basic challenges that we've had for ages. So that makes it fascinating as well, I guess. And do you think the retailers are investing in this now? Are they seeing it? I think they saw this two, three years ago. There was a lot of press around that time when suddenly Amazon was doing 5% of its revenue from advertising. At that time, it was still called the other category. So I tracked the earnings reports every, every quarter. And it was this line called other. So Amazon is doing, you know, e-commerce and then we're doing Prime and then we've got physical stores and then we've got this other. Yeah. And that's where advertising was sitting. And it was a huge part of that. It was a huge proportion of it. And then, you know, one and a half years ago, it was turned into now we call it advertising. And then there's another other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but two, three years ago, I don't remember the exact date, but you got this and it made a lot of press. 5% of Amazon's revenue was generated by retail media. And actually, when you dug deeper into the figures, and this is still the case, advertising is driving a lot of the profits. For a long time that, you know, in Amazon, you've got e-commerce and e-commerce hasn't been, you know, performing so well, actually. That's not what they earn money. It doesn't turn a profit in Europe. It didn't turn a profit last year. Yeah. And actually lost money last year in the US as well. Mm-hmm. But then you had AWS was doing a lot of the growth and also generating a lot Huge of growth. profits. Yeah. Huge growth. But now you have retail media and actually driving more of the profits in the mm-hmm. AWS as far as I understand, because it has a much lower uh, cost base. So retail media just suddenly come out. And this message that came out two, three years ago was, wow, here's something else. And for retailers that are used to managing a business with very low margin, to have somebody say, hey, there's an extra 5% for you. (laughs) 
that probably comes up to the CEO desk and the CEO probably says, hey, make me a plan for this. Make a business plan to someone. Then someone goes out and researches the market and says, okay, what kind of technologies are there? Who can help me do this? Where do I want to take it? Do I want to keep the data? Do I want to to monetize the data externally? Do I want to build it under commerce? Do I want to build it under e-commerce? Do I want to build it under marketing communications? And then comes back, let's say six months later with the plans of the CEO who says, okay, okay, this took long, now we got to go. And I think that budget line came out quite quick. And I think what we've seen since then is a bit of a gold rush to going there with this thought that first mover advantage is temporary. So a lot of people have gone out there and you see messages all, I mean, there's so much press about retail media now saying, oh, this company launched in retail media. But when you dig a little bit into that as well, sometimes it's more of a statement for the purpose of the statement or to show that we're going in the right direction in an actual big offering. Because if you're simply taking your customer data and you're leveraging that on programmatic, people have been doing this for 15 years. Yes, I mean, yes. there's, there's nothing new in there. That's not retail. It is retail media, but it doesn't show that you're actually going the direction of monetization. So you've got this huge challenge there. Yeah, and also just doing transformational change within a retailer and suddenly, you know, say, right, it's not simply a case of, right, we're going to put sponsored listings on the site and display and then, you know, start putting stuff into emails. There's a whole customer experience and brand team sitting there and e-commerce team sort of, you know, preventing you from doing those things. There's no quick fix. It takes time and right talent internally in order to get those things happening and working. That's actually a huge, that's actually a huge thing, organization and stakeholder management is one of the biggest things there, right? Because that's why I think it probably CEO got this moving, but that doesn't mean that you've won because, you know, you know how organizations can be, they can have a lot of inertia. I think it takes time to build up something like this. So then you want to show some early success, you want to get things going, but at the same time, you want to cover that full user experience. That you mentioned, so. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, I think we're almost out of time. So I think probably last question for me was probably just around you know i love what you're doing from a training point of view and it's actually given me a bit of inspiration as to how we might help you and or work with you to do to expand that a bit but um why don't you tell me you know for our listeners that are sort of new to the industry or just sort of graduating you know we're doing a big sort of graduate recruitment program at the moment and you know what things do you think they need to equip themselves with in order to be a success in this space okay so the fast track for retail media knowledge is learningconsole.amazon.com because it's yep. totally free training material and it gives you the basis for understanding all the moving parts in the system. And of course, this is totally Amazon-centered. But I think for many years, I've always said, you want to do something in search, go do the Google certification, get yes. certified on one. And the, so the beauty of that is they have a good learning portal. They've never got a training portal. It's easy to use. It gives you the basis in retail first, right? So it'll take you through, you know, what are the characteristics of retail? Why is it different from everything else? You learn the whole Amazon philosophy. And of course, they've built this training to show you that they're the best, whatever. But as long as you can keep that, you know, keep a little distance on that. But yeah. go through the retail, then you'll learn the sponsored ads. You can potentially go into DSP, but it's a little bit more complex, I guess. You can still do all the training. I'm not sure certification makes sense. And then, you know, I just did this last step, which was the 
AMC, Amazon Marketing Cloud, it's all on the tracking. I'm probably not going to use it, but it is such a good training to mm. understand what's going on, understand the data sets, understand some of the challenges and how difficult it was. Only, you know, six months ago, the AMC interface was like a dusty old SQL interrogation prompt, right? And now they're building it into more easier to use things and applications. So that's my first advice, go in there. And then second advice would be, instead of a Google alert on retail media, get in your inbox and check what's going on. I get updates every day, so much going on, so much happening. And if people are thinking about where to go, where to build a career in this space, everybody's hiring. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff, you learn it on the job. And if you've got that ballast of saying, okay, I understand the basis of the system because I've been through the Amazon training, you're actually uh, pretty well underway. So that's my quick fix, I guess, for uh, everybody out there wanting to enter this area. And actually, I think that's brilliant, pragmatic, practical advice. I think that's really, really, really good. Listen, Anders, thank you so much for gracing our Retail Media Moguls podcast. Look, it's been absolutely fascinating. I've loved it. And I love What's great about it is often we talk about the same things, but actually this time we've talked about lots of different things like Amazon and, you know, the brand view and the training side. So really been really, really interesting. Will you come back and see us again in sort of six months time and see how the world's moved on? Just send me a, a calendar invite and I'm here and I will have a totally different story to tell. From <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> Thanks, Anders. The Retail Media Moguls podcast is brought to you by Platform 195. To learn more about Platform 195 and how to connect retail media with intelligent marketing to accelerate growth, visit platform195.com. And then make sure to search for Retail Media Moguls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Platform 195, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.